This is Chris from Play Comics, and you're listening to Pop Goes Your World. I'm Chris McBrien, and the pop culture from Generation X is everything to me. And I'm Derek Myers, and I'm here to educate Chris on the great pop culture of today's generation. Episode 155, Van Halen Songs. McBride, along with Derek Myers, and this is Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. You're going to find us on Twitter at McBrien for me, at Amaron underscore DM for Derek, and popgoesyourworld.com is our website with all of our contact information. Derek, what's new in the world of pop culture for you, my friend? Hey, Chris. Uh, just a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the television shows that I've been watching recently, I can't remember if I had brought it up before, is a show called Raised by Wolves. It's the brainchild of uh, Ridley Scott, who we know from the Alien franchise, Blade Runner, Gladiator, that Ridley Scott. Yeah, you haven't mentioned this show yet. What is okay, it? So uh, it's a 10-episode science fiction series, and it's um, again, it's sort of hard to explain. The idea is that the world as we know, it takes place in the not-too-distant future and sort of a post-apocalyptic, which I know you love. Uh, in the not-too-distant future, <laughs> yeah, there has been that. a war between faith and science. And faith is winning by a long shot. And so science has like sort of gone. You're sure this is in the not-too-distant future or it's in the yeah. present? Science has gone the extra mile and created like super killer robots. And so the people of faith jump on a spaceship and go to a new planet because the earth is basically doomed, uh, environmental and all the rest of that. They don't really get into the backstory. You sort of get a lot of this detail by flashbacks, but the story begins with two androids essentially sort of landing, crash landing on it on a new planet. And they're like, we have these, these embryos and we're going to, we're going to raise new life on this planet. And so the first episode is all about these androids raising these, these test tube babies. And then you find out in like the second episode that, this is the last hope of the the science faction is that this is how they've decided to keep the human race going and believing in science. And at the end of the first episode, this giant mothership shows up at the new planet and it's like 10 years later and it's all the, the people of faith who are like, we're here to bring our faith to this new world and so it'll never be forgotten. We're going to start a new world that's faith-based. And then there's this conflict that happens, obviously, for the rest of the 10 episodes. And at the first three or four episodes were amazing. It had that total Ridley Scott signature. He's the writer, the director, the executive producer. I think he directed the first two episodes of the series. And then his son, I believe, directed the next couple episodes. Super good. The the people in it, a lot of unknown actors or or actors I didn't know, talented. Performances were fantastic. Then the last three episodes of the series that I just binged this weekend were awful. Like the show took a huge left turn and just it let me down so much, which was so disappointing because it started off so strongly. So I'm very disappointed on where it ended. It's already been confirmed. They're going to do a season two. I don't know if I'm going to give it any more of my time. Considering how good it started, I was so disappointed with where it ended. So I would say Raised by Wolves is is, is a pass for me. I wouldn't recommend it. But I did have a chance to watch two older movies that I love. They're both oh, nice. sort of guilty pleasure popcorn style movies. Oh, I like the where this is one, going. The first one I know, I'm pretty sure you might have seen or at least know of. It's called Limitless. It stars Bradley Cooper. No, I've never even heard of it. I thought so, you said older. Bradley Cooper is doing well. It's like 10 years older. So oh, I thought uh, you meant Limitless. Like the idea Gen is oh, um, 
Bradley Cooper is a down on his luck writer and he bumps into a guy he used to know who works for a pharmaceutical company and he gives him basically a magic pill and he says, if you take this pill, it'll make you smarter. And so he takes the pill and of course it makes him super duper smart where his, you know, his, his he has limitless potential. And then the drug dealer that gives him the pill gets killed and Bradley Cooper ends up inadvertently getting a stash of these pills. And so it's like, what would you do if you had a stash of pills that made you the world's smartest person? And how would you try to better yourself and change the world while at the same time getting wrapped up in this murder mystery? It's it's a very straightforward movie. It's a lot of fun. It actually spawned a television spinoff that's sort of a sequel to the movie, which Bradley Cooper produced and and appears in briefly as the same character. Um, which was fun, but it only lasted a, a one season. But anyway, I had a chance to watch Limitless again this week. I, I, it's one of these movies that's not a great movie, but I really love it, so I had to watch it. And then this movie I know you've never heard of. It's called One Chance. You are correct. I've never it heard of is, it. It uh, is It is from 2013. It's a semi-autobiographical movie about a uh, man from Britain, uh, from Wales, if I remember correctly, who ended up winning the top prize on Britain's Got Talent, uh, which was, I think, the first season of that show, which eventually they brought to America. America's Got Talent. Same idea. And he was the winner of the first season. He won for singing opera. And so it's this life story of this shy, overweight guy who strives to be an opera singer, but constantly has nothing but bad luck and um and eventually, you know, feel good movie. They, they they sort of sell the ending uh, in the in the commercials that, you know, he's eventually going to win this talent contest. But it's the the 90 minute ride to get there. And then at the end, they inter, intercut the actual footage of him on TV with the actor who is playing him, who's actually um, James Corden, who has a talk show right now and is all is a pretty decent singer in his own right. Um, so yeah, it's a fun little movie. It, it also had, um, Cole Meany from Star Trek who played Chief O'Brien. He plays his dad. So it's a few faces you might recognize, but again, it's a fun little movie. It's, it's very by the numbers, but, uh, that was fun. It's, 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 they were on back to back one night and I just recorded them both and I had a chance to watch them this week. So Limitless, always fun. I've seen that one five or six times and one chance I had seen before at the Toronto Film Festival back in uh, 2013. So it was nice to get a chance to see that one again. Nice. Okay. I had a couple things. Pop culture week. I got a couple, I got a couple things for you. The first one is we're a day late and I, and I'll be honest, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, yeah, a dollar short. I'm a Canadian and I'm very proud to be a Canadian, but I didn't even know this was a thing. Um, yesterday was the, was Canadian beer day. Did you know this? Uh, no, I don't drink beer, so. It's a thing. It's a thing. I didn't even know it was. So it's, I, it's I a thought thing. we called those Saturdays. <laughs> so here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have myself a beer in, in, in honor of Canadian Beer Day, but I didn't even know that was a thing. Uh, now the, the pop culture thing I wanted to share with you. So I, I think I'm pretty sure I mentioned before. My parents got us Disney Plus for Christmas last year, and they're going to renew it again this year. It's a great Christmas gift for our family. And so when we first got it last year, they came to visit us and they said, okay, this is what we're giving you. So, you know, we, 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 we started it up, we got it going. And my 11 year old son immediately watched the Mandalorian. Now I didn't watch it because he started watching it right away. My parents were, were here visiting and I spent my time actually visiting with them. You know, I thought it'd be rude just to say, you know, hi, thanks for Disney plus. I'm going to go watch the Mandalorian. You know, there's food in the fridge. So anyway, this past week, my son was like, dad, we got to watch the Mandalorian together. So I'm going to be perfectly honest. I've mentioned this countless times before. I love the original Star Wars trilogy. Holds a very, very special place in my heart. Everything else to do with Star Wars pretty much sucks. You know, like, so that being said, 
I watched The Mandalorian and I went in with very low expectations. It's actually pretty good. Now, we've only watched two episodes, but so far, so good, Derek. It, it, it may end up being the only Star Wars related thing produced since 1983 that I actually like. The Baby Yoda is actually even pretty neat. I like IG-88, isn't it too? Not, it's not bad, I gotta say. Yeah, we, uh, my wife and I binged, so we don't have Disney+, Plus, but we had the internet. So once it had completed its run, we managed to get our hands on a copy of the full season, and we binged it when we were on vacation uh, in February. We went away to uh, the Dominican Republic, and late at night, after we had decided to come back to the room, uh, and on nights when we weren't just, you know, ready to go to sleep, threw on the Mandalorian and we had one day where the weather was crappy and we just binged the whole thing. And yeah, like you, we loved it, but uh, we have very low bar when it comes to star Wars. If it's got star Wars on it, we're predisposed to like it. Um, And yeah, no, I like you. I thought it was great. It's got, I mean, John Favreau is the creative designer behind the show. And like this guy has a very strong proven track record. So Mm -hmm. I, again, there was a lot of pluses going into this. I actually had very high expectations knowing its pedigree and uh, it, it met them for me completely. Mm, So I'm looking forward to season two, which is going to be starting around Christmas. Yeah. Soon. I think now I mentioned, I like the star Wars trilogy trilogy, the original trilogy, because I'm old. And since I'm a lame old dad, here's your dad joke of the week. Okay, okay, hold on a second, hold on a second. Yeah, yeah. This this show is going to be a little different than normal for a number of reasons, and I'm going to throw the first surprise at you right here, right now. I have a dad joke for you. Oh, oh great. Now, I'm not a dad, nope. but a good friend of mine that I went to university with, mm-hmm. uh, his nickname is Porn. Uh, for a number of reasons that we won't get into on this family-friendly show. <laughs> that's a, but that's a whole show a right of, there. Yeah, <laughs> he has a couple of young daughters, and he likes to post a lot of things on social media that right. the daughters do and say because okay. they are every bit as funny as the dad. Right. And so this is a joke, a dad joke that his daughter told him today. So <laughs> oh, good, I'm going to give it to you, okay, good. Chris? I mean, well, I'm okay. super excited for this. Chris, mm-hmm. where do cows go on dates? I don't know where. They go to the movies. Oh, nice. I like it. Very good. Oh, yeah. I, figured, I figured it was fitting with our, our podcast. Yeah. So anyway, the, oh. uh, I, I have raised the dad joke bar, and uh, now I, I turn it over to you. Top that one. Jeez, oh, you're putting me on the spot. Well, I'll tell you what. Before I get to my dad joke, actually, I don't know if you've seen these things, Derek, but there are these memes on the internet with dad jokes, but it's the walking dead. It's it's oh, basically the Carl one? Yeah, yeah. Like it's Rick Grimes yeah, yeah. and he's telling Carl a dad joke yeah. and Carl's all embarrassed and then Rick yeah. repeats the punchline. He's like, It's the punchline, Carl. Anyway, yeah. so I saw them and I, I just I thought they were funny. I don't know. I, just something of course about you them. did. So anyway, you, I just, you are the target demographic for those jokes. <laughs> no, I like them. But anyway, that being said, Derek, here's my dad joke. Did you know that French fries weren't originally cooked in France? They were cooked in Greece. In Greece, Carl. In Greece. That's nothing but pure and simple communism. (laughs) Oh, that sounds familiar. Hal Needham's futuristic masterpiece, Megaforce. With Chuck Norris? No, Barry Boswick and Michael Beck did all the heavy lifting in that one. I'm glad that happened to that guy. F him. I'm going to barbecue your ass in molasses. Thank you. The Southern NASCAR demographic. It's full of bigotry. It's full of racism. It's full of sexism. There's no way you came from my loins. Hey, how cool is this? (laughs) What in the hell is this world coming to? 
Okay, so we had a topic all ready to go for this week, and then midweek came, and we all got the news. Legendary guitar player Eddie Van Halen died from cancer at the age of 65. And you know, I went back into the archives from our podcast here, and I was, I I gotta tell you, I was a little surprised, because I thought Yancey and I did an episode where we did a rundown of our top five guitar players of all time, but we never did. So Derek, we may have to do that as a topic sometime, but we did top five rock singers and we did top five guitar solos, but we never did top five guitar players. And like, I know, I know this, it's easy to say this now and, and people tend to over inflate, you know, the legacy of a recently deceased artist, right? But Eddie Van Halen was one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived. And I'm a guitar player. I spent time in a band when I was in high school. I've, I've played in front of a live audience many times over the years. And for me, like he was just, he was amazing. And not just because he had such a command of his instrument and not even just because he was so innovative, you know, like with the whole two-hand tapping. I mean, that, that revolutionized the electric guitar in the 80s. But for me, the thing with Eddie Van Halen was he was the epitome of, of what the best of something should be in the sense that he made it look easy. Jimmy Stewart did this for acting. Like he was just so good at it. It just came off as effortless. And Eddie Van Halen was like this with the guitar. And even more than that, at a time when sort of the quote unquote best guitar players, you know, they always seemed to come across like they were in pain when they were playing. And Eddie always made the guitar seem like it was a lot of fun. You know, he was smiling, he was jumping around on the stage, he was hanging from wires. And and, and the thing was, you, you just couldn't believe he was getting these sounds out of his guitar. Like if you think about Eruption, when he first would play Eruption in front of an audience, he would turn his back to the audience so they couldn't see that he was doing the two-hand tapping. So they couldn't, because people couldn't feel, how are you getting those sounds out of the guitar? Like the, those notes are an octave high. Like how, you can't, it's not possible, you know? But the main thing for me was the whole time he was doing all that stuff, he was just having a blast. So with the passing of Eddie Van Halen, Derek, you reached out to me this week and you suggested we change things up this week and instead we run down our top five Van Halen songs. So you want to just uh, touch base on that a little bit? Yeah, so uh, as we've talked about on previous shows, I, I like to think that I am a little more, quote, into music than you are. I mean, we're both certainly have our, our opinions on music and we, we are both music buffs, but uh, especially uh, when it comes to uh, the, the breadth of, of my lifetime, I'd like to tr- I've tried to stay on top of musical trends, whereas I think you sort of gave up in the late 80s and, mm-hmm. and, and much like with movies. <laughs> Go figure. Uh, I'm consistent. But when I was younger, uh, you know, in the 80s, when I started to consume music of my choosing and not the country and Western music my parents thrust upon me. Uh, you know, I can remember one of the very first cassettes that I ever bought or had bought for me as a gift was 1984, uh, the Van Halen album, 1984 with the baby smoking on the cover. Mm -hmm. And you know, it had jump, it had Panama, it had top Jimmy, it had drop dead light like this. It was just packed full of these awesome songs that were super, like they were super duper radio hits, but even the ones that weren't released as singles were still great. And it was a really interesting introduction to rock music because it was like per current popular rock music. Whereas, you know, my seven and eight year old mind was was aware of bands like Led Zeppelin. But I thought, well, that's old people rock. That's from like the 60s and 70s, which is way before my time because I'm an 80s kid. 
And whereas Van Halen, although they started in the late 70s, when I was first introduced to them, they were already at the top of their game. Like 1984 is their sixth studio album. And that's the first time I, as a young person, had ever been exposed to this band. And from then on, I was hooked. Van Halen was always has always been and is still one of my all time favorite bands. Uh, You know, their their uh, success has waxed and waned over the years as they've had issues with the band, which I'm sure we'll talk about as we go through our lists. But they've always been one of my favorite bands. I, I have had the I had the good fortune to see them in concert quite a few times. And, you know, to this day, when I want to feel good or I want to just get pumped up, like Van Halen has so much music that just one, you, you listen to it and you feel positive. You feel not necessarily happy, put a smile on your face, but almost like before a sporting event where like athletes want to get all pumped up, like, yeah, we want to go out and have a good time and win this game. And Van Halen has so much music that like just pumps you up when you hear it. It just, it does that for you. And uh, yeah, it's just, it always, I always feel good when I've been listening to Van Halen. So of course, Tuesday afternoon when I got the news, I was just heading out the door I had a doctor's appointment and I thought, well, I'm going to be in the car for a half hour. I hardly ever drive my car anymore, but I turned on the radio and sure enough, every channel was breaking the news. And so every channel was playing Van Halen. So for the next half hours, I was traveling. I'm hearing all these Van Halen classics. And of course, you know, a little part of me is sad that uh, Eddie Van Halen has passed. But, you know, it got me uh, listening to Van Halen again for the last couple of days. And uh, yeah, despite this this incredible loss uh, Eddie Van Halen lives, leaves behind such a tremendous musical legacy that will never be forgotten, never be duplicated. He was in, an influence on so many people, both professional musicians and amateur musicians. You know, he, he made his mark and uh, that's never going to be forgotten. It's never going to go away. And I think the least we can do today is uh, is chat about about him, chat about the band, chat about some of their songs, talk about some of our memories, why we like certain tracks and uh go from there yeah so let's run down our top five van halen songs now i i want to say something i've been accused of giving the textbook answers you know when we do these lists it's 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 a thing on the show but i'll tell you what that is not going to be the case this week my friend i tell you when when i was younger i was a huge van halen fan just like you but the thing was i liked a lot of their lesser known songs and then so when you suggested the topic for this week i felt oh my god this is gonna be great but i i also felt I, i needed to be true to my you know to things and and i'm gonna go with my personal favorite van halen songs i'm not running down the textbook top five songs that everyone else would list so but before we get to mine why don't we start with yours with your number five and let's work our way to number one your number five van halen song what do you got well before we jump into the number five Mm -hmm. i'm gonna change the rules on you you know this is the second surprise of the night okay first a dad joke and now this go for it yep I'm doing two top five lists. Okay. All right. So we're going to have Derek's pick, Derek's pick, number five, number five, and then Chris's pick, number five. And what I decided, and I, I didn't run this by you, so I'm putting you on the spot here. No problem. We're doing it. You have so many. Is that what the I thing am is? going to do a top five Van Halen songs with Sammy Hagar in the lead. Okay. And five Van Halen songs okay. with David Lee Roth okay. in the lead. Cool. Cool. And essentially what this is going to represent is sort of the older Van Halen and the newer Van Halen. And I mean, newer is relative given where we right, are. But, exactly. You know, the, when David Lee Roth left the band after they had put, put out six albums, Sammy Hager came in and they put out, I believe it's four more albums plus a live album, plus a few other little side projects. So they have a lot, a large body of, of work. And I, I just had a hard time narrowing it down to five. But when I sort of made this distinction line, it became a lot easier. 
And so although you are not going to give the textbook answers, my old school list is the absolute textbook. My Sammy Hagar list, probably not so much. And uh, and then I figure we'll throw in your uh, your personal picks and we'll go from there. So right. I'm going to go, as I would call it, you got your Van Hagar and you got your Van Halen. All right. So I'm going to do my Van Hagar picks, then my Van Halen pick, oh, okay. and so then we'll gonna, go to you. So okay? you're going to do your Sammy Hagar number five and then your David Lee Roth number five. Yes, I am. All right. All right. So my number five. Sammy Hager frontman Van Halen song yes. is an unconventional pick. It's mm-hmm. not even from a Van Halen album. It's from the Twister movie soundtrack from 1996. The yes. song is called Humans Being. Yes. It's uh again, by 1996, this is this is after they've put out 5150, OU812, the Four Unlawful Carnal Knowledge album, their their live album, like this is it. They they are at the peak and then they hadn't put anything out in a while and we got this one single on this movie soundtrack. And so I don't know if it it resonated with me because it was just a new Van Halen song or if because it was as good as I thought it was. But it's still every time I hear it, I love it. It's got the very strong guitar. I mean, so many of these songs feature Eddie Van Halen doing these amazing guitar work. But the Twister movie, for those who maybe aren't familiar with it, never saw it or forgot about it. Uh, it's got uh, Helen Hunt and uh, Bill Paxton. Mm-hmm. I was the bills backwards and they're, they're tornado chasers. And so there's a movie about tornadoes destroying stuff. And it was all like revolutionary special effects and that. And this song, when you listen to it, it sounds like a twister going through the radio. So it's, but in a good way. So yeah, it always struck a chord with me for that regard. And so I had to put on the list at number five was humans yeah, being. That's a good one. I like that one. Okay. So your right, number, so your number five, we're, David we're, going, Lee Roth. we're yep. absolutely going textbook on these ones. Go no surprises it. here. Okay. Number five. Oh, I did want to point out my mm-hmm. Van Halen list, my old school list, five songs, five different albums. Oh, good. Cool. Oh, so that's good. My number five is from their 1980 album, women and children first. And mm-hmm. it's everybody wants some. Uh, again, this is like an anthem song. You listen to it, it get you get pumped up. It's been used in a lot of sporting arenas and sports stadiums use it. It's been used in a lot of movies. They even did a movie called Everybody Wants Some, and it was about a, a, a baseball team. Like it's, you know, again, it's this this kind of music where it's like just this anthem of like, you know, yeah, everybody wants like it's. It was in Better Off of- Dead too, wasn't it? Probably it's yeah. it's uh, it's been used in a lot of mo- I mean, a lot of these Van Halen songs have been used in a lot of ways, but uh, it's an older track. Um, again, it came out in 1980. So it was a little bit before my time. It's one of these ones that I discovered a little bit later, like when the medium of CDs became available, my music collection exploded. All of these classic albums were now available on CD at a very reasonable price. And so like around. 1990, 91, 92-ish, I had a part-time job, I had a lot of disposable income, I was really into music, and all of a sudden, all of these albums were now absolutely readily available where they maybe had not previously been. Since I was a huge Van Halen fan, I was able to go back and buy all the back catalog, and that was about the time I started to discover all these old Van Halen tracks, so yeah, everybody wants some, Hmm. it's my number five. I like it. Okay, so my number five. I'm unlike you. I'm just gonna lump Van Halen all together and pick up my, sure. my five. But again, these are odd songs. I think so. When Van Halen came out with their Diver Down album in 1982, five of the twelve songs were covers. Yeah, right. And but the original songs were pretty much forgettable, you know, except one, and that's my number five, which is Little Guitars. It has been always been one of my favorite Van Halen songs. 
it's just, it's so original. So it starts out with this flamenco Mexican guitar intro. And when Eddie went to write it, you know, and play it, he couldn't get the finger picking down, which is just crazy because he's one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived, but he just couldn't get that technique down pat. So instead of finger picking, he used his left hand to do a bunch of quick hammer-ons and then just rapidly pick the same string with his right hand. So when you listen to it, sounds like it's finger picking, but it's actually not. And the other thing is he uses this little mini Les Paul instead of his usual Frankenstrat. And then with the song itself, it's just, it's a really great song. It's unlike anything that I've heard from any other hard rock band, you know, that was doing anything like, you know, at the time, you know, like, like they basically said, we want to do a song, like a Mexican song with Senorita. So they just said, all right, Senorita, I'm in trouble again and I can't get free. Senorita. Senorita. Like, it's just like crazy. And then, you know, catch as catch, catch. It's just, I don't know. Like, I, I think, I think the best bands are those that are original. And for Van Halen, one of their most original songs, ironically, is found right in the middle of an album full of cover songs. You know, go figure. So I've always liked the song, so it's number five on my uh, list of Van Halen songs. So on to your number pick. four. That's a good pick. Yeah, your right. number four my is number Sammy four, Hager. Yep. My number four, Sammy Hager. Uh, again, this is not a conventional pick. It's from their 1986 5150 album, and it is the track 5150. Okay. Now, this yeah. wasn't released as a single, to the best of my knowledge. It, you know, the album itself had uh, a fair amount of success. They had a, a bunch of songs released. Why Can't This Be Love, Dreams, Love Walks, Love Walks In, Best In. of Both Worlds, Summer Nights. I mean, they had five songs released uh, on the charts. They all charted in some better than others. Uh, 5150 not released as a single. So if you're not a huge Van Halen fan, you've probably never heard this song before. But one of the criticisms about the 5150 album, this is the first album that featured Sammy Hagar was it came out in 1986. So you figure it was conceived, written, recorded in 85 and 86. Now what's happening in the world of music in 1985? You've got synthesizers. You've got New Wave, right? You've got bands like Duran Duran and Culture Club and and New Order. And it's a lot of electronica is coming into popular music. So in 5150, there is a ton of keyboards, like more than there had previously been in any Van Halen, any Van Halen, Van Halen album prior to this one. And the band took a lot of flack for that from the critics that, oh, well, you know, you've got these the, Eddie Van Halen's the world's greatest guitar player. Uh, Michael Anthony's a really good bass player. And it's like, you don't let these guys play these instruments. You have them playing percussion. You have them doing keyboards and synths. And it's like you're you're denying yourself your best hitter, right? You're, you're making them sit on the bench. You're, you're, you're having them just, you know, play these, these keys. Well, 5150 definitely feels more like a rock song. In my mind, it's one of the songs on the album that absolutely feels more like the old Van Halen where it's uh, got the heavy guitar. It, it, it certainly has a little bit of that keyboards in there, not nearly as much as the other tracks, but on an album where people felt there was a lot of fluff and not a lot of substance, in my mind, 5150 is where the, the substance ended up. Uh, not that the other songs are terrible by any stretch of the imagination, but this one always just uh, held a special place in my heart. So 5150 nice. is my number four pick. All right, so your number four, David Lee Roth, Van Halen song. So my number four, David Lee Roth, from the 1982 album, Diver Down, is Little Guitars, which oh, we yes. just talked about. Yes. So, yeah, you, you pretty much nailed it. When Good you said one. it, I'm like, well, that's going to make this list go by quick. I've oh. already got that one on my list. Good. 
So you got my you your number five was my number four. So nice. what that's do you a, have as your number four? That's I don't, a good I don't really have anything to add to that. So. No, no problem. It's a good song, and I'm surprised because it's not a it's not one of their huge ones that you think about when you do this sort of thing. But I love it. Okay, well, so again, though, think think about what I said though. Mm-hmm. 1984, the album 1984 was my introduction to Van Halen. So everything that appeared on the five albums before that, I had no concept of. I'd never heard them before. So when I finally bought the discs and went back and listened to those five albums, I didn't know what the hits were. I didn't know which songs were singles. I just found the songs that I liked. That you liked. Exactly. And so Little Guitars was one of them. It's like, there's a great song. And uh, yeah, so like you said, it may not have been their biggest hit in the world, but in the context of here's 12 songs on an album, what do you like? That's the one that I like the most. And you know, it's, it's interesting you mentioned that because I think my experience with Van Halen is very similar to yours. Really, I was introduced to the band when 1984 came out. Like it, it was, it was just huge, right? And I put them on the, you know, on the map, huge. Like they were already popular, but for me, that was my introduction to them. So I did the same thing as you did. I used my Columbia House, you know, subscription yeah. to go back and buy all the other uh, cassettes that they had and listen to them. I did the same thing as you. I didn't know which ones were popular, which ones weren't. I just went with the ones that I really liked. So, you know, I think that our, our experience with Van Halen was very similar. We were introduced to them with the 1984 album and then went back and discovered their older stuff, you know, after the fact. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, okay, so my number four. So when David Lee Roth left the band, you you, you kind of had to figure, like if you'd been following the band, you had to figure it was, you know, it was probably over, you know? And when they announced that Sammy Hager was going to join Van Halen, you know, I got to admit, I was skeptical. This was right after 1984 it came out. It was a huge hit. Sammy, I was like, Sammy Hager? Like, I mean, I liked I Can't the Drive The Red 50. Rocker? Yeah. And he would, he remember he used to wear like those yellow jumpsuits with the red straps on them and stuff. And 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 I liked some of his songs. I liked I Can't Drive 55. And I liked okay. Heavy Metal. But I, I'll be honest, I didn't really think Sammy Hager was all that great of a vocalist. And then when he joined Van Halen, I don't know what the hell happened. Maybe... He just kicked into second gear or something. But man, his vocals were awesome with Van Halen, like awesome. And just when you thought the band would tank, almost the unthinkable happened. And you could you could make the argument that they got even better. Almost like with ACDC when they brought in Brian Johnson after Bon Scott died. Like, and and, and there, was, there, was, there was some great Van Halen songs after Sammy Hagar joined. Um... Probably their biggest commercial hits even came after David Lee Roth left. But one of my favorites was on the third album with Sammy Hagar. It came out in 1991, and the album was For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. Don't do the acronym on that one, by the way, for those of you at home. Uh, Pound Cake opened up the album, and their biggest hit off of it was Right Now. But my favorite song on the album is actually the last song, and that's Top of the World. I think it's one of their like lesser known uh, Van Halen songs. And this was proven to me tonight when I talked to my wife and told her what our topic was. And she's like, well, what songs are you going to do? And I mentioned Top of the World. And she's like, I don't have never heard that song before. And I played it for her. And she says, yeah, that song sucks. And I'm like, jeez, like, what the hell is the matter with you? I did. I, I actually, at a couple times when I was doing this list, Top of the World almost made my number one. I just, the, the top four, I just, I didn't know how to rank them. I really didn't. And Top of the World, I always liked this song a lot. And the guitar riff that actually closes Jump is used as the intro for this song. So if it sounds a little familiar when the song opens up, you know, you know why. But 
I, I just I think it's one of the best rock anthems of all times. It's one of those arena rock songs for me. Yeah. And for a long time there, the band would always end their concert with this song. It was the finale of the night. The song just rocks. And and for me, it's a metaphor for the band because they were standing on top of the world for a little while. Yep. Number four in my list. Yeah. No, this was, so this was my number, this is my number six. I always do a top 10, mm-hmm, right. but I narrow it down to five. This was number six on my on my. Uh, Sammy Hagar list. I I had it at number five and then I switched it. And yeah, Uh, one of the reasons that I really like this song a lot um, was on the album itself. You had, I think this was track 11. I think, I think there was 11 songs. So this was the last song, as you mentioned, let's say it's track 11 and track 10. The song that came just before this is an instrumental uh, guitar solo uh, called uh, 316, 316, 316. which represents March 16th, which is the day Van Halen, Eddie Van Halen's son, Wolfgang was born March 16th. A little trivia there. If you didn't know that. And, and it's a very mellow guitar. Like it's not the like, you know, high fast octane. It's a very sort of mellow guitar solo. And the as and it's the quite goes, short too. It's quite short. Yes. Yeah. And as the story goes, he, he did it as sort of like a lullaby when the child was very young and it was like, he just composed it and would play it for him to try and soothe the child. And then I'm sure he, he, you know, rocked it up a little bit for the album, but it is a very mellow guitar solo. And on almost all the Van Halen albums, there's like a guitar solo track. Like we talked about eruption earlier and it like, it's a minute. Um, and so this is the one on this album is 316, 316, and it's about a minute. And it's very soft and very mellow. And you've you've had this album of nine or ten, like, rock songs. Then the whole thing just comes down a little bit, and it mellows out. And then they're like, wait, we've got one more track for you. <laughs> and it's Top of the World. And it's like, after this thing just gives you this little pause, it's like, bam, we got Top of the World. And yeah. it's like, dun, 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 and you got the guitars kick right in. So I always love that juxtaposition of this very mellow track followed by this anthem. So that's a big part of why I was like top of the world. Yeah, that's, that's a good point. I like that. That really puts things in context. So, okay. So you're number three, oh, sorry, yeah. Sammy Hagar song. All right, my number Sammy three. Hager, what do you uh, got? As you just mentioned, 1991, Van Halen put out a phenomenal album called For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. And my number three pick is their smash hit right now. It doesn't have a lot of guitar in it. It's more piano, not mm-hmm. to be confused with the synthesizers I previously talked about right. from the 5150. This no. is straight up is Eddie Van Halen on a piano. And again, the song was a huge hit, but not always a big hit with the critics. It was a lot of, oh, the lyrics are so sappy. And it's like the message, you know, it's it's literally it's right now. Seize the moment. Do what you want to do. Don't put off today. Don't put off today. Uh, don't you know what you think you're going to do tomorrow like do it now it's right here it's right now just do it do you know empower yourself to be what you want to be and do what you want to do and one of the reasons I love this song so much despite the fact that on an album full of rock songs you've got this piano um, playing throughout the whole the whole track is the video and we did a whole thing on MTV and we've done track we talk about music videos all the time so here we are in 1991 when the music video medium is maybe not as popular as it had been, but some bands were still putting a lot of time and effort and thought into the videos. And they had the most creative video for this where the throughout the course of the video, it keeps flashing on the screen. It says like, right now, blah, blah, blah. We give you something. Right now, this is happening. Right now, that is happening. Right now, a person is doing this. And right now, a person wants to do that. And it's this intercut of um, these ideas of things that people are want to do or they're like right now 
you know, light is leaving the star, blah, 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 and will arrive on Earth in 10,000 years. And right now, the, the light that left there 10,000 years ago is arriving right now. And it's it was just this random spattering of facts and, and motivational sort of mantras and interesting visuals to go with it. And I mean, you still have the song playing through the whole thing, but it's this this way to visually capture an idea that they've already presented through the audio medium of the music. So I always just found that this is one of those rare videos where, you know, it really just added a whole new level to the song. You like the song. Here's a visual component that is not just the band playing the 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 uh, instruments at a concert. It's not just the band acting out the literal lyrics of the song. Somebody actually put some time and creativity into this. And I want to say, if I remember correctly, they ended up winning like an MTV video award or some sort of video award for it. Um, but uh, yeah, this, so this is why uh, my Van Hagar number three pick is right now. Well, and I mentioned earlier about Sammy Hagar, how, you know, he, he was an OK vocalist. And then when he hit Van Halen, he just you know went into the stratosphere with his vocals. And I think of all the songs that he did with them, this one might be the best example of him as a great vocalist. His vocals are really good in this song. Yeah. Now, again, uh, I know a lot of Van Halen trivia because I'm a really big fan of the band. I had heard, again, don't know if this one's true, but apparently David Lee Roth is a, is a fairly decent vocalist. I mean, oh, yeah, he's he was had great. a tremendous amount of success. Yeah. But apparently, very original sounding he, voice. You know, he wasn't perfect. And so the members of the band had to deliberately down tune their instruments in certain occasions in order for when Dave was tr- to sing and hit certain notes that they would sound correct with the instruments playing. And for years, the band basically knew we have to, you know, for every, if our instruments are tuned perfectly, it's going to be a problem for the, for the vocalist. So they would deliberately down tune them. And apparently when Sammy Hager came back, they were able to like, okay, Sammy can sing. Let's get all these instruments in perfect tuning. Now, nice. I don't know if that's true, but I've heard it a couple of times. So mm-hmm. it's, it's entirely possible. Yeah. All right. My number three. Sorry, I just want to. Can I just jump in? One one other thing that just came to mind about about right now that I I, I will say up until this point, too, especially in the David Lee Roth days, you know, the band was mostly just singing like sex songs. You know what I mean? Like, and this one was the first time. Party and drive fast. Yeah. You know, and and this was one of the first times when they actually kind of made a departure from that and said, hey, let's let's maybe write something that's a little bit more political or like we're making a statement. So uh, good pick. That's a good pick. Yeah, it's it's always awesome. been one awesome. of my favorites. Yep. Yep. Um, all right, so my number three, going to my uh, my actual Van Halen old school list. Uh, again, very textbook here. Uh, another anthem. It's from their 1981 album Fair Warning, and it's the uh, guitar rocker Unchained is the oh, tune. Yeah. So again, it's my whole list is this. It's all these heavy guitars. They feature Eddie Van Halen doing his thing better than anyone else possibly could. We've had everybody wants them. We've had little guitars. Now we got Unchained. And it's just this heavy guitar riff through it. And again, it's another anthem that just you hear it. It pumps you up. You're like, yeah, it just it puts you in a positive mood, at least for me. And uh, it's one of these things that you could definitely play before, like the big game kind of thing, uh, which I find a lot of Van Halen songs just just do that. And so, again, this is one that I I didn't know until I went into their back catalog and discovered it. And I mean, the Fair Warning album, certainly not my favorite Van Halen album, but this song certainly stood out among the rest. I think if you asked like a lot of like diehard Van Halen fans what their best song was, they might say Unchained. Yeah, I've I, I've so I've started to see some uh, retrospectives on Eddie Van Halen and on the band Van Halen 
throughout uh, social media over the last couple of days where they've been like ranking songs and, and crit- critiquing the various albums and sort of pointing out the high points. And I'm seeing this Unchained tune show up on a lot of people's top 10 lists. And on more than one, it was like in the top three. Mm-hmm. Okay, so my number three. <clears throat> one of the things I've always liked about Van Halen songs are the opening guitar riffs. And the thing was, they never sounded like anyone else's opening guitar riffs. A lot of hard rock songs open with three chord progression, maybe with a little hook, you know, added in, but almost always with power chords, but not Van Halen. You know, they, they were the masters of opening songs with, with like note progressions, like more than just power chords. And one of my favorite song intros ever is my number three, which is Beautiful Girls. I love that song. Oh, it, it was, it was, it was from Van Halen 2 in 1979. Uh, famously used to in a Saturday Night Live yes, commercial parody. That's the first time I ever heard <laughs> yeah. that song, Chris. For, it was for a beer called Schmitz Gay. And it was it was Adam Sandler and Chris Farley. And they were partying with a bunch of these male models and Speedos. And But the song uses the lyric, on top of the world. You know, just like, you know, top of the world we mentioned before. Yep. And it's it's got David Lee Roth basically just spitting out lyrics super quick. You know, like... He's like seaside sitting, just smoking and drinking and ringside. And top of the world. Top of the world. There's just something about this song, the guitar riffs. The thing is, it's dated. I will give you that. Like, it's got a lot of the sort of 70s and 80s rocker sensibility in it. You know, no question. Like, you know, all I need is a beautiful girl. But it's also a great example of classic Van Halen sensibility, especially when David Lee Roth was with the band. And whenever I think of Van Halen songs, this is one that always comes to mind. So for all of those reasons I mentioned, it's number three on my list. So I like this song a lot. I I describe this as a fan favorite. So Mm -hmm. it's like if you ask people to put together their top five or their top ten, most people won't include this song. But then if you play it for them, they're like, oh, I love this song. Oh, this song's so good. But it's not on their top ten, but it's a fan favorite. Yeah. All right. And I know a lot of people that are my age, mm -hmm. the same thing. They know this song. Because they first heard it on that Saturday Night Live sketch and then after the fact learned that, oh, this is from an older Van Halen tr- album and here's right. what it is. And But yeah, to this day, when this song comes on, I remember my brother and I were watching Saturday Night Live when it first aired. And so he always, he, whenever he hears a song, he turns to me, he goes, this is the one from Saturday Night Live, the Schlitz gay? <laughs> yeah. I'm like, it sure is. If you're and thirsty and you're gay. And you're gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's right. No, no, that was, and then the thing was, I remember when I saw that, commercial parody for the first time the thing that i liked about it was the fact that i was like hey that's one of my favorite van halen songs that nobody else really seems to like so i don't know i just thought it was cool okay so your number two van Van hagar sammy hagar again not not necessarily a popular pick Mm -hmm. and probably a surprise that shows up at my number two because i don't even know if it was really released as a single uh from their 1988 album OU812, which is the second one featuring sammy on lead vocals the track is called mine all mine uh, it looks like it was released as a single, the last one to release, but it only hit number 50 on the charts, and it probably didn't even stay there for very long. Uh, again, it's uh, it's one of the ones... So you had 5150, which was criticized for using a lot of keyboards and sounding, you know, sort of the, quote, selling out. They're, they sound like every other sort of mediocre rock band. And then when OU812 came out a few years later, it's almost like the band was upset by these reviews and sort of felt they had something to prove. And so you get a lot more of the tracks on OU812 that feel heavier, even though at the time pop music was 
almost becoming a little lighter. You had a lot more power ballads starting to come out in the late 80s. Uh, you know, that 70s, like, classic rock sound was nowhere to be heard in 1988. Um, but yet, Van Halen puts out this OU812 album. And, I mean, it's got a few, some of the, it's got a few of those, you know, uh, power ballady songs. It's got uh, When It's Love and Finish What You Started or sort of, you know, more mainstream style rock sounds. But Mine All Mine which if I remember correctly is the first track on the album. It just starts off with guitars and with drums. And now when my, uh, when my friends and I first got our driver's license, it was only a couple years after this. And so I can remember when my, one of my good friends, he got his license first, his, uh, older brother had a hand-me-down car that he was able to drive from time to time. And of course, none of us had cars. So we were always in his car and he had this OU812 cassette, which we used to always play in the car. So with a cassette player, you listen to the tracks in the order they're on the, the cassette. You can't be skipping over songs. And so because this was the first track on the cassette, we heard this song all the time. Because every time we went in, someone had rewound the tape and you just start again on track one. And it is an amazing like driving song. It just gets you pumped up. You want to drive fast. You want to, you know, it's, and again, the lyrics are very self-centered. You know, it's mine, all mine. Uh, again, it's that idea of take what you want and you deserve it kind of stuff. And um, yeah, from coming off of the 5150 album, which was a little more uh, synth uh, synthesizers, coming into OU812, it's like, we're a rock band. Here's a rock song. Right out of the gate. It's one of the heaviest songs on the album. Mine, all mine. It's my number two uh, Sammy Hager song. All right. I like it. So your number two David Lee Roth song. All right. We're totally textbook here. My number two is sort of a cheat. It's a part A and a part B. It's like when you do when you listen to Queen and they say, we're going to play We Will Rock You slash We Are the Champions. They always play them back to back, even though they're two separate songs. My number two is Eruption slash You Really Got Me from the 1978 Van Halen album. Nice. So obviously they're not the same song. So it's sort of a cheat, mm -hmm. but eruption is that guitar solo, as you've already talked about. Mm -hmm. It's not a, not a full length track. It's about a minute long and it's usually played in front of you really got me. If you ever hear it on the radio or on a streaming service and you really got me is obviously a cover track. When we did our, our top five cover songs, this was on my list. I love it as a cover song. I love it as a Van Halen song. I talked about it extensively on that show, so I, I don't think we need to really retread this. I think this is a very textbook answer. It comes in at number two. I think you ask a lot of people what their favorite Van Halen song is. You're going to get a lot of people putting this one at the top of the list. Uh, I mean, it's a cover tune. It came out in 1970. The cover version of Van Halen did. came out in 1978. I hear it all the time on my retro channels. I hear it all the time on the classic rock channels. It always comes up in my... My streaming services, it's got that cross-pollination of both the rock channel, the pop channel, the 70s and 80s channels. It's uh, it's everything Van Halen became famous for. It's the guitars and it's the it's it's rock and roll. I mean, this is this is capital R rock and roll. Nice. I can't really say much more about it. It's my number two. One of the few cover songs that's actually better than the original, too. Absolutely, oh, I agree. So good, so good. All right, What's so my number two, my number two I, I mentioned in the last song how Van Halen had a tendency to open their songs you know, not with the typical power chord progressions, but instead with these creative guitar riffs and note progressions. Well, no song of theirs is a better example of this than Hot for Teacher. It's from the 1984 album. It's the first song on the second side. And it actually starts with an Alex Van Halen drum solo with two bass drums, no yeah. less. And then the guitar breaks in with this crazy progression. 
And for me, just like Beautiful Girls, this song embodies that rock and roll lifestyle and the image that the band was projecting through the 70s and 80s. Again, perfect example of the type of music that the band was known for with David Lee Roth as their frontman. So Derek, you and I talked about music videos back on episode 152. Mm-hmm. But if you go all the way back to episode 43 of this podcast, Yancey and I did a top five list of our favorite music videos of all time. And this one made my top five. So not only is the music video iconic, the song to me is iconic. It's everything Van Halen is all about. And it's wrapped up in under five minutes. So I just, this song is just great, you know. And when I was talking to my wife about it tonight, I mentioned this song. She's like, I hate that song. <laughs> I can imagine why she's probably seen the video. Uh, but anyway, I just, I think it's a great song. It's musically, it's, it's, it's just amazing. And uh, I, I think it's great. So that's my number two. Nice. That's a good pick. I, I, I like the song, but the 1984 album is so full of so many good songs. This, mm. this is not my favorite, but again, I know a lot of people like it. The video is a great example of eighties videos, but it certainly doesn't stand the test of time. It, it you know, obviously it, it objectifies mm. women in it a way does. that is, is not excusable, yeah. but at the time it was what it was. So, uh, you know, a little bit of a black mark looking back now going, mm. Ooh boy, that is not in good taste, especially when you hold mm. it by today's standards. But at the time, that's that's what things were like, and yeah. the band was what the band was, and and like you said, it it was everything the band was at that time, and that was acceptable at the time, and it was the aspiration of every rock band at the time. Mm-hmm. So, and I also like the the scenes in the video when they're dressed in like those, they're they're almost like these kind of rust colored suits with the gloves that they're going, they're doing these funny dance moves, and they're trying to do it in sync and stuff around the disco ball. I don't know the whole thing. Yeah. It, was, it was good. Okay, so number one, so number one, Sammy Hagar song. What do you okay. got? What I'm going to do is I'm going to give you an honorable mention for each of these two before I jump in on my number one, but I'm not going to spend a lot of time on it. So my honorable mention for the Sammy Hager is from the 5150 album, and it's the song Dreams. Uh, Again, it's very synth heavy. Uh, I don't even think that Eddie Van Halen plays guitar in the entire song, if I remember correctly. Uh, it's just something about it. The the melody, the tune, it always always struck me. It's... um, Again, it's the lyrics really resonate with me, too. It's uh, they had a lot of songs where it was very, very much like just just see what you want. Visualize your dreams and and go for it. Don't wait. Don't stop. Do it right now. You know, you're entitled to it. Mine, all mine. Take it. And dreams is yet another song that sort of features that it's like you know, visualize your dreams and, and they can be yours kind of thing. And except this one isn't a rock anthem like a lot of their other songs. It's certainly a more, I wouldn't call it a ballad because it's not that slow, but it's a very different kind of uh, a Van Halen song. And uh, so, yeah, I, I don't, it didn't make my list. I don't think it would make my list, but I, I wanted to give it a quick shout out as an honorable mention. And, and Sammy Hager does some great vocals on that one too. Absolutely. He really does. Absolutely. He hits some high notes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So my number one uh, is, uh, this one's pretty much textbook. We already talked about it a little bit. It's from the 1991 album for Unlawful Cardinal Knowledge. It's the first track, Pound Cake. Yeah. So w- one of the things that, uh, that I always liked about Eddie Van Halen was his uh, experimentation with the guitar. And this is one where the album starts with this experimental sound of Eddie Van Halen playing a power drill on his guitar. <laughs> yes. And so what I was, I, again, I've done some homework on this one before. Basically they were saying one day in the studio, they were sort of just fooling around and he would, there was there, I guess they were doing rhinos and he picked up some of the power tools. And as he was playing with the drill, 
apparently Eddie Van Halen, I don't know if he had perfect pitch, but he had a real sense of, of musics and sounds. And he, he, after sort of firing the drill a little bit, realized like this is in the same chord or this is in the same key as this song we're working on right now. And he thought, let me try this thing. And he literally just held it up to the pickups and and so that ended up being a part of this song. And then when when I saw them in concert, uh, you know, for this tour promoting this album, he literally has a, a power drill on stage like there's no faking this. There's no fooling around. You know, sometimes they'll in the studio and an artist will will do something creative and then they can't replicate it in in real life. It was like a studio trick. No tricks. He literally uses a power drill at the start of this song on the on the guitar. And if I'm and, not mistaken, the drill he used on stage had the Frankenstrat stripes on it too, didn't it? I believe it did. Yeah. Yes. Like, um, uh, yeah. No. I, again, it's it's the the 1991 album, and it's the first track. And again, it's this is a rock anthem um, where they didn't really have a lot of those. I felt on their previous two albums with Sammy Hagar, they had certainly more of them on this uh, on this release and none better than their first track on their pound cake. I love this tune and uh, it's definitely deserves its number one spot. So it's my nice. number one. Sammy All right. Number one, David Lee Roth. Song. All right. So my honorable mention, and I, I, I couldn't really put this in as a track because it's again, one of these Eddie Van Halen solos is cathedral. Oh. So this is where Eddie Van Halen makes his guitar sound like an organ that you would hear in a church. Hence the title cathedral. And as the story goes, this was never something that he ever wanted to or had intended to release on an album. But during a, like a sound check at some of the, the the concerts, he would do this little thing where he would play with it and you turn the knobs up and down as you're doing whatever. And he realized that as he was doing this, like the people around him that were setting up the stage were all like stopped and enthralled and just like staring at him. And they were like, oh, my God, that is amazing. And. I guess the right person sort of whispered in his ear that, hey, this is actually something. You should record this and put this on an album. And he did. I mean, obviously, it's only a one-minute track, so it's not going to be a single. But it's just another example of Eddie Van Halen's creativity with the guitar to produce a sound that nobody had thought to to do before in a way that nobody had thought to do it. So, yeah, mm -hmm. I, I got to give that a shout-out. And, and the fact that it's on Diver Down again, so original, yeah. surrounded by, you know, cover tunes. That's a good yeah. one. Like craziness. Oh, nice. All right, my ultimate textbook answer. Yes. Number one out. Number one song from 1984 is Panama. Yeah. This is my it's hands so down, no question. <laughs> yeah. The this is the best Van Halen song. If you have anything else in your number one, you're wrong. This is number one. Maybe Jump. I could see Jump squeezing in there. Mm -hmm. Also from this, like, but Jump didn't make your list. Jump and Panama. Yeah. Like, talk about a one-two punch on an album. I know. Panama but Jump didn't has, make your list, though, buddy. It did. Well, I didn't want to keep doubling up on the album. Right. So this was. Uh, right. I had two from Un for unlawful carnal knowledge, but for the David Lee Ross stuff, there were so many good ones to pick from. I I really felt I needed to spread the love. But we again, we did a, a show where we did like anthem songs like pump pumped up anthems i had like i the tiger and danger zone and and but panama if i remember correctly was probably my number one because this is one of my absolute all-time favorite songs i had it as my ringtone for the longest time i i love the song i can't say enough good things about it there's another one where the video was creative you have up until that point a lot of people a lot of rock bands their videos were just playing their instruments with a bunch of pretty girls dancing around maybe some pyro going off on stage and you're like Okay, I get it. Like, hey, Motley Crue, we get it. Every video you do looks like this. 
you know, Van Halen, on the other hand, for this one, it was, yeah, it was them in concert. But like you had mentioned earlier, they had like these giant cable harnesses where they were like yep. lifting the guys off stage <laughs> yep. and they were jumping around and they were like at one point, Eddie Van Halen is like being suspended by one leg and they're like swooshing them across the stage and stuff. And it just looks like they're having so much fun. It looks so awesome. Like I just, what I wouldn't have given to been able to be at a concert where they actually did anything like what I see in the Panama video. And just this, again, it's this, every song on my list from the Van Halen side is just like these anthems, these rock anthems that they play at sporting events that you hear in movies. They're songs that just make you want to go faster and be better. And it'll, if you're in a sporting event, you like, it pumps you up to like, yes, let's get in there and beat the other team. And Panama exemplifies that. And it's everything Van Halen's for. It's like, here's a song. It's about driving fast. It's about chicks. It's like, it's just everything that the, the, the rock and roll lifestyle should be, or, or what everyone thought the rock and roll lifestyle should be in the eighties. I can't say enough good things. Panama, number one, hands down, done. And, and it's funny. And it's funny you mentioned about them having so much fun and stuff because they weren't having that much fun when they were doing it. They actually disagreed so much with David Lee Roth. He wanted to do that, all that crazy stuff for their video. And the band didn't want to do it. The director didn't want to do it. And everyone was just fighting so much. And I guess, you know, in hindsight, it's not a surprise that they broke up, you know, after that. But yeah. anyway, so my number one, if Hot for Teacher, as I mentioned, was the quintessential Van Halen song of the David Lee Roth era, then this next song is the quintessential Van Halen song of the Sammy Hagar era. But at least to me, anyway, and I would say at least to me, because Derek, you sent me this week, a list um, of a website that had put together all 131 Van Halen songs, ranked from first to worst. And this song, which is my number one, they ranked dead last. <laughs> oh, geez. So, so definitely no textbook answers here. Okay. Uh, so Sammy Hagar joins the band, and on their very first album together, 5150, it only took until the second song for Sammy Hagar to cement his place with the band. And he did it, at least for me, with Why Can't This Be Love. This song, I just, it is so good. So once again, Eddie uses the keyboards to drive a song. And the thing is, you mentioned this before too, very few hard rock bands were doing this at the time. Yeah. Almost all hard rock songs were, they're led by overdriven guitars. They're not led by keyboards. Jump was one of the first examples of a hard rock song that had mostly keyboards in it. Like not counting ballads, you know, that use yeah. the piano. But Why Can't This Be Love uses these crazy effects on the synth to get these unique sounds that just drive the song. And in the studio, Eddie played the keyboards and Sammy Hagar played the guitar. And he even, Sammy does the solo on the song too. Now, they changed it when they went on tour and Eddie played the guitar and the keys were just pumped in from backstage. But on the album, it's Sammy that's playing the guitar. And at a time when, when their lead singer left the band, it sh like I mentioned before, it should have been over. you know. And then they bring in this lesser-known rocker to front the band. And in so many ways, it just shouldn't have worked. But it did. And as far as I'm concerned, it resulted in the best song that they ever put out. And why can't this be love? 
is the number one Van Van Halen song in my opinion. I just, I just, I think it's so good. I don't it, know. It is a great song, and it did reach number one on the charts, which, mm-hmm. uh, which was nice. I mean, again, it was the first single off their new album, so the fact that the first song with the new guy went to number one, whether it's because it was just the new Van Halen song and there was a curiosity factor, or whether people agree with you and just felt it was a really good track. I always liked it. It's a, it's a great song. Uh, mm-hmm. Again, it. it it is in the top 10 list that I put together, but it didn't crack my top five. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing I want to mention that we didn't, uh, I didn't have a chance to get into previously was, sure. uh, I mentioned I've seen Van, I saw Van Halen in concert three times. And the two times were more recent um, when they were going back out on tour with David Lee Roth. I saw them in 2007 and I saw them in 2015. And believe me, by 2015, David Lee Roth, not doing a very good job as the front man forgetting the lyrics, not being able to keep up with the speed of the song. It was not a great show from from a lyrical point of view. The 2007 show was pretty decent. But the first time I ever saw them, which in my mind was the best time I ever saw them, was in 1993 when they were doing their Right Here, Right Now tour. They were promoting the live album uh, that they had put out following For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. They had put out the live album Right Here, Right Now, and they were touring to promote the live album. And again, Sammy Hagar was now at the front of the band. They had put out these three studio albums and this double live album. And they performed in uh, in Barrie at Molson Park on July 1st, which was always like a big day. They always had like a big festival uh, in, on July 1st in this in this concert park. And there was five, five or six big bands on the list. I don't remember the full lineup, but I do remember... Vince Neil of Motley Crue had just gone out on his own and had put out a new album. So he was there uh, and he did like all the Motley Crue greatest hits. Uh, one of my favorite Canadian performers, Kim Mitchell, was there. He did all of his greatest hits. And uh, and then Van Halen was was the headliner. And it was it was a great show. We had so much fun. It's the best concert I've ever been to. It was an all day festival. We were uh, my friends and I, I think. We were 18. This was the summer after we graduated high school, but before we all left home to go away to school. So we finished high school the last week of June. And on July 1st, we went out to have this concert. And this was the start of our last summer at home before we went away. And it just set the perfect tone for that summer. And then it just put us all in the right frame of mind when we went away to school. And it was just like the the concert was, it's the best concert I've ever seen. And Van Halen put on, a fantastic show and I'll nice. never forget it. That 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 just cemented it for me that they were always my favorite and they always will be. That that concert was fantastic. Where is the city of Barrie that you mentioned? Yeah, I don't know. It's mm-hmm. uh, here they got a college up there and yeah. Uh, <laughs> Some great prof. Uh, I'll tell you what, if you disagree with Derek and myself, and I'll tell you what, judging by the feedback that I get each week, you do. <laughs> uh, make sure you re- make sure you reach out to us. Talk to us on Twitter. Or send us an email, popgoesyourworld.com, has all of our contact information. We'd obviously be happy to hear from you, and we'd love to get your take on the best Van Halen song, so make sure you reach out to us. On that note, let's have some fun with Caveman. All right, so this week, I think I want to stay true to our source material, and I just want to do some Van Halen trivia with you. Okay. Okay? So, Eddie Van Halen, one of the greatest guitar players that ever lived. But however, the guitar was not his first instrument. What instrument did a young Eddie Van Halen first experience music with Derek? So as the story goes, the Van Halen brothers were trained on the opposite instruments they got famous playing. So Eddie Van Halen started on the drums and Alex Van Halen started on the guitar. Yes, it was a bit of a trick question. Actually, Eddie Van Halen started on the piano when he was six years old. 
Ah, okay. Mm. Okay, so let's, let's, say, let's say percussion and we'll call it even. All right, sounds good. All right, some easy ones. What popular TV actress did Eddie Van Halen marry in 1981? Uh, Valerie Bertinelli. Very good. Congratulations. Okay. So Van Halen had a lot of great songs. We've been through them all tonight, right? Oh, yeah. But what was their only song to reach number one on the Billboard chart? Uh, they only had one number one? Are you kidding me? One single that went to number one. Gotta be Jump. It was, yes, in January of 1981. Now, which album was the first to hit number one on the Billboard chart. Oh, boy. Probably one of the Sammy ones. Probably for Unlawful Carnal Knowledge. No, actually, it was 5150. Oh, well, it was a Sammy one. Yep, it was. It was the first time. And then, funny enough, OU812 also went to number one. For Unlawful Carnal Knowledge went to number one, and Balance went to number one. Wow, Balanced? Yeah, okay. Okay, what was David Lee Roth's nickname? Diamond Dave. Oh, very good. Yes, I Diamond think about that Dave. For a second. Yeah. So after David Lee Roth left the band, he made a career change. Derek, what job did he take on after leaving the band? Uh, so I got two answers. I believe he became a paramedic, but then I think he ended up becoming a DJ for a while after that. Well, you're correct on both. He was an emergency medical technician. He became a paramedic, and then he ended up going into radio in New York. Years yeah. later after that. I know okay. my Van Halen trivia. You do. How many Grammy Awards has Van oh, Halen won? I don't know. Five. Oh, you're kind of, no. They were nominated five times, but the band only won one Grammy. Okay. It was for Unlawful Colonel Knowledge, and it won a Grammy for Best Hard Rock Performance. Now, you already oh, yeah, mentioned. I should have known, known that because I think the Grammys didn't have like a rock or metal category until like the mid to late 80s. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I should have known that. Now, you mentioned this one already. So I just but I'll throw it out there anyway. Yeah. Uh, the song Humans Being appeared in which 1996 film? Twister. Yes. OK, so what iconic rock bassist first discovered Van Halen and produced their demo recordings in 1976? Ooh, that's a good question. Mm-hmm. Uh, huh. He got them started. Wow. It's probably somebody based out of California. Uh, so probably an American bass player. Hmm. I don't know. I honestly don't know. Probably the most famous bass player of the 70s was Gene Simmons from Kiss. Oh, yeah. Geez, I knew that. I read that this week. And here's a pretty straightforward one. And you kind of touch base on it already. How many studio albums did Van Halen produce in total? Okay, well, there were six with Diamond Dave, and then uh, there were one, two, three, four with Sammy Hager. Then there was that crappy Van Halen three with the guy from Extreme. Mm-hmm. Are we counting their greatest hit, hits albums? No, Are studio we, albums. Okay, so let's say that doesn't include greatest hits, and that would include their live albums. So I'm going to go with 10. <laughs> It was 12. 12? Wow. Yeah. You were right. Six with Diamond Dave. And then one, two, three, four with Sammy Hagar. Four with Sammy. Oh, and one with the Extreme Bay. That's only 11. Van Halen, three, and then A Different Kind of Truth. The hell's that? Came out in uh, 2012. Huh. That sounds like a greatest hits. We don't cut that one. No, it wasn't. <laughs> it was a studio album. 
Okay. Okay. Um, actually, they brought David Lee Raff back for that one. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Because, yeah, they were doing the concerts with Dan, with Dan yeah. and Dave after. Okay. Yeah. Yep. So. Fair enough. All right. So, uh, like I said, we kind of turned things around midweek here to kind of come back and take a look at Van Halen. We had, you know, had planned originally to do something different. And I'm glad that we came back and took a look at it. It was funny because a couple weeks ago we were talking about um, when we did Michael Jackson songs. And then you were saying, like, what, what could be the next band that we could do? Top five songs. Obviously, Van Halen fits the bill. So... Yeah. Well, I mean, they're obviously not producing stuff now. So, mm-hmm. you know, I mean, not the queen is for that matter. <laughs> or or but, Michael Jackson. Yeah. Yeah. So, but no, I mean, they've got a huge music catalog mm-hmm. and, and they certainly had uh mainstream success towards the middle of their career, even if maybe their early stuff was considered more heavy metal or, or rock and roll. But uh, yeah, no, it worked out well. All good, right. Good show. Good yeah, no, that was great. So next week it's back to me to nominate a movie. So I did, I put some thought into this and we've mentioned this movie a couple of times on the podcast. It is one of my all-time favorite films that came out of the 80s. I've mentioned it multiple times. So we're going to go back to 1982, Derek, and I'm going to have you watch Tootsie from 1982, Dustin Hoffman's Tootsie, okay? So we're going to watch Tootsie and we're going to come back next week and we're going to break apart the movie and we're going to talk all about it. You up for the task? Yep. Uh... I've only seen Tootsie once before. It was a couple of years ago. And honestly, I don't remember a lot of it. So it'll it'll be like watching it again for the first mm-hmm. time. That's good. That's good. So we'll go back. I haven't seen the movie in years. So I'm just trying to try and convince my wife to watch it with me. We'll see how this goes. But mm-hmm. uh, yeah, we'll watch the movie. We'll come back and do that. And if you'd like to reach out to us, as I mentioned before, at Amaron underscore DM. That's Derek on Twitter. At C McBrien. That's my Twitter handle. PopGoesYourWorld.com is our website. You can find all our contact information on there. Shoot us an email. Until next week, this is Chris McBrien for Derek Myers saying, thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World, the pop culture podcast for the generations. Thanks for listening to Pop Goes Your World. You can contact Chris and Derek at PopGoesYourWorld.com. Please take a minute and review the podcast on iTunes or wherever you download and listen to the show. 